men finish sets. Like if you're watching on YouTube, like a man's finishing a set like that. And it's like, what the heart where it's like a woman's like, you know, like barely getting it there. I peed myself doing those leg presses. That's pretty common. I peed myself. I'm just like, What is happening? Welcome back to your favorite podcast, the Gordon Podcast. I'm with Justin Haley, and I am joined today by my lovely TM athlete, Sky Clements, who just received her master's in medicine over the weekend. So congratulations on that. And her Thank first you. stop, she didn't go to Disney World. She came to the Gordon Podcast. <laughs> and today, we're going to talk about neuroplasticity. We're going to talk about traumas. And we're going to talk about why people don't want to actually be coached. You guys are going to love this episode. Make sure to like us, love us, leave us a five-star rating review, subscribe on the YouTube, share us with your friends. Get ready. I'll see you inside. So for the avid grow or die fans, which if you're not, I'm not quite sure what you're doing. A while back, I had a round table with all the TM girls on there. And I chatted about one of my athletes, Sky who is here with me today. And what did I share? Sky, you taught me one day. What, what, what did you check it was, in? It wasn't even a check-in. It was just like, I think it was like while I was training after I had attended this lecture in yeah. neuro, neurology, right? Yeah. I know that you like neuro. Yeah. And we were learning about like different receptors, like cold, hot, pain, mechano, proprio. And yeah. we have, we learned about nociceptors, which okay. is like most people are like, this is a pain receptor, but we don't have pain receptors. We have yeah. potential harmful stimuli, Yeah. right? So for example, I love to use the capsaicin because of everyone knows hot peppers and everyone has like, oh, I love spicy food and other people can't even handle like jalapenos. Yeah. You know, capsaicin at high levels can blister your mouth. That's a wow. potential harmful stimuli, but as a jalapeno, no, yeah. probably not, but you're still gonna be like, oh shit, that's hot. You know, so I was like, if, there's, if it's not really pain, and I can push through this part of my set where the pain is. Like, I'm yeah. not going to rip my tendon. Like, I'm not yeah. going to completely tear my muscle right now. This is just uncomfortable. So if you push past where you like, it's potential harmful. I'm not saying like ignore all pain mm -hmm. cues, but like it really made my training. Because that's when you had me do the, the, the leg press that was like my knees basically yep. touching my shoulder. Yep. We're doing like 20 reps or some crazy yep. shit. And I'm at like 13. I remember thinking like, nah, it's not pain. <laughs> this isn't pain. Like my brain is interpreting it as pain, but it's not. So I just thought after that set, like telling you like, this is so cool. And I, yeah, thought, you'd yeah, think, yeah. I thought you'd like it too, you know? Okay, so then the term pain tolerance. Yeah. What would that actually be? If we were to like fact check that term and make it neurologically correct, what would a better term for pain tolerance actually be since pain's not really a thing? I mean, I don't want to go as far as saying like pain's not a thing. I definitely want to say it's more of like, you know, your brain interpreting it as pain. Like okay. it's definitely a higher order feeling. Okay. Um, pain tolerance, I would just say is more like, you're right, there should be a better word. Yeah. It's like you're desensitizing yeah. yourself from yeah. that stimuli because you know at first like doing 20 reps on a leg press is like shit i want to die mm -hmm. <laughs> and then it's like you slowly start pushing past or that you even have people like professional fighters like the yep. first time you get punched in the face you're like damn that hurt yeah and then if you're doing it for like 10 years you're like <laughs> yeah i got punched in the face <laughs> so i've heard um uh from like NFL guys and whatnot after like an off season. Yeah. What's off season? Like, well, if you like don't make the playoffs, you're done playing in like December, November, and then season starts back up like this month. Right. So that's like, 
that's like eight months. We'll call it eight months offseason. If you go eight months like without getting tackled, yeah, and then like the first time they get tackled, <laughs> and you're like, oh shit, like, <laughs> I kind of forgot what that felt like. And like yeah. after that, you kind of, um, I guess, re- desensitize to it. Yeah, I find that absolutely fascinating. So I have an opinion. Mm-hmm. You can't really like train extremely hard and push these really physical uh these these intense physical boundaries if you've like never kind of been through some stuff like if you never like had someone really break your heart i was just having this conversation with a friend uh and a client of mine the other day um i think it was yesterday people try so hard protecting themselves Mm -hmm. and they protect themselves to a point that like you're not even experiencing anything yeah and like heartbreak and heartache are just as important to life as like the highest dopamine and serotonin blast that you can possibly More so have. in my opinion. If you've never experienced that, I don't think you can go into the gym and take a leg press set all the way. I don't think that you're going to be able to find places in your brain that are going to push you through the extremely hard days with your work output, like like outside of just training. I don't think you're going to be able to like stand against the grain and really actually truly be a resilient person without going through trauma. Yeah. Would you agree or disagree with oh, that? Oh, 100%. Okay, I want to throw, so, throw a little shade. People yeah. that don't have big legs don't have demons. You know, you're, no. you're not, you're not, fight, you're not fighting any demons if you don't have big That's legs. I, I look at a guy and I'm like, you can have the biggest upper body, but you got chicken legs. Yeah. And like you had a sheltered life. That's so funny. you never had to work through anything <laughs> no, before. But on, on a serious note, it's like, it's in my opinion, like, you know, you coach me through like a really character defining time in my life. Yeah. Like I took on like the most I've ever taken on at one yeah. time. And like it was it was painful, man. There were times where I was like, I don't know if I can do this, but you know, it's it's the trauma that it's like once you've overcome shit that you know most people wouldn't or like most people said you can't, mm-hmm. you're like, man, if I can do that, I can do anything. It's an empowering feeling. Oh hell yeah. What's differentiating between people I have an opinion. In adolescence, when when we're young kids or even young adults coming up, I feel like we are so malleable. And our brain is doing so many things. Our our entire nervous system just doing so many things. And it has so much stimuli. Mm -hmm. And all of these things are happening. They're all going on. My opinion is like if in this – oh, my goodness. I just had a conversation about this with Danielle. If in this time you're not experiencing things, if you're maybe, if you maybe have a very blessed home life where everything's kind of handed to you, mm-hmm. if maybe you just don't have to go as hard as other people do to just simply like make it through the day or get good grades or achieve Christmas presents or whatever it is, right? Yeah. I'm not sure you can, I'm not sure how you take that and flip it around as an adult to like all of a sudden you're a hardworking individual. The people who I know of who went through that are all quite lazy, mm. if we're being honest. Would Is there anything that would suggest that there's a certain level of trauma? And then I also want to ask you your opinion on trauma. Mm-hmm. A certain level of trauma or a certain time that things started happening, like like I'm 30 years old. I have friends who are my age who have like never had someone close to them die. Yeah. Like, dude, when it happens to them, they're gonna like but like now, like, um, you know, like someone close to me dies and it's like, shoot, you know, it's a circle of life. Like that's that's stuff. It's not that I'm like yeah. completely desensitized of to course. it. Like it sucks. That's life. Like life. But you know, you'll get through that pain. Yeah. So you like know? 
Is there anything that would suggest that there's a certain time frame of traumas beginning to happen that can kind of harden you, that can sort of force your neurological connections to be more resilient potentially? Because I know when you're in times of high stress, those connections just revert to what you're comfortable doing. Yeah. Is there any weathering to that that you know of? So there's two terms Mm -hmm. that describe what you're talking about. So as far as like the malleableness of like neuronal connection, that's called neuroplasticity. Mm -hmm. And obviously like it's when your brain's making new connections basically. Um, And then when you're talking about like solidified, that's called long-term potentiation, which is just like, if you learn something new, those are basically neurons connecting that haven't connected in a while. And if you keep doing that movement or training that skill, it gets stronger and stronger, stronger. That's mm-hmm. called long-term potentiation. Okay. Right. So I have like, there's always, you know, it's a double-edged sword. Okay. Because it'll make you a harder person, but it's like, at what cost? Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like I personally get along better with people who have been through some shit, but it doesn't necessarily make them a better person. Mm-hmm. You had the potential. You had the opportunity to grow from whatever you went through, but mm-hmm. you also had the, op- you could have missed that opportunity mm-hmm. and let it make you a bad person or let mm-hmm. it make you like, oh, I'm just, I'm a piece of shit because my dad used to beat me. And so I'm, you know, whatever, I'm horrible to other people. That's how I, that's how I am, deal with it or, you know, take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. Or you can be like, damn, like I saw like a lot of aggression growing up. I never want to be that. I don't want to be that for my kids. I don't want to be that for my family. I'm going to do a lot of work that maybe the person who didn't have like, an I'm just using an example, an mm-hmm. aggressive father didn't have to deal with. Mm-hmm. So you have a choice to be stronger, but yep. you also have a choice to be worse. So it's the same that goes with like trauma. So if they're, if you're my friend, you know that one of my favorite sayings and it's like, you, they get annoyed by how much I say, I always say a developing mind is a fragile mind because then your neuroplasticity is crazy like Mm -hmm. kids pick up languages they pick up skills like Mm -hmm. but you're also you have certain structures in your brain that grow at a different rate Mm -hmm. than the other structures so there's something called the limbic system which is like memory formation emotion all that and um your your amygdala by uh for example that grows like much faster so this little system that controls memories and um, emotions associated with memories you know is the fastest growing your first like three years of life and like obviously as a child you know it slows down but Mm -hmm. say you go through something traumatic or you go through some sort of like abandonment or you're neglected as a child it actually can atrophy that those little structures they won't grow as fast so as an adult you have may have a limbic system structures up to 30 percent smaller than the average adult and you're thinking like okay amygdala it controls a lot of aggression and whatever smaller means better no it means less ability to regulate so you're actually also having the opportunity for like what should be normal neuronal connections to be formed like from being cared for by a mother and being loved they're now all these neurons are connecting places they shouldn't be connecting you have adults that grow up with like way more aggressive socially withdrawn like sexually inappropriate like all the like inability to make normal attachments in general in your adult life you know so like can you can you make that part of your brain bigger as an adult no but you can still rewire that's the the neuroplasticity you can rewire a lot of different things in your brain different thought patterns like the long-term potentiation they're like highways these might be like pretty solid highways but you can still build back roads and new highways so someone who let's say someone's chronically depressed yeah you know this is a topic i love chatting about can you rewire this? A hundred percent. 
One hundred. I believe one hundred percent. I'm not going to say that there's no like chemical imbalance. I do believe like medication can be used properly. Mm-hmm. I think SSRIs are a sham, but that's a different conversation. Yeah. But like, what is chemically like? What is depression? You know, what can we do to fight this naturally? And it sucks. And like a lot of people are like, well, I just can't get up. I can't do this. I always tell people like, because I battled with um, depression. It's part part of one of my diagnoses, right? Yeah. And the only thing that got me out of it actually was when I started bodybuilding yeah. because you're doing these mundane, unfun things. Like, mm-hmm. But even getting up and brushing my teeth in the morning, getting up and like showing up to the gym, getting up and completing a check-in, like, was I happy? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. But it's like these little, little tasks, even brushing your teeth, even getting out and like you say, make the bed, like mm-hmm. that's your thing. Mm-hmm. Walking the dog. Mm-hmm. These little things will give you a sense of like pride in yourself like no matter how i didn't feel shit i didn't feel any kind of happiness and i still got it done would you say that a key to rewiring the neurons behind something like an anxiety or a depression would be maybe finding something that gives you an extreme amount of purpose and then you can kind of hold on and chase that purpose or is it more so like this sounds desensitive to say, but I think people understand what I mean by it. Is it like a light switch? Like, no, you know what? I am going to get up and just brush my teeth. And you just get up and actually do the act that you're sitting there like neglecting or not wanting to do. Yeah. Man, really saying it out loud, they both seem like they sort of have a place. Yeah. And pushing through. Cause it's like, we have such a strong mind. It's, it's capable of, I mean, we don't even know. We have no idea what it's capable of. There's so much going on up there that it's like you can just simply make a choice. Um, you know, as 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 difficult as that might seem to grasp for people, you can make simple choices. You can make yeah. baseline choices of okay, like I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do this, and I'm going to get this done. Mm-hmm. Um, the only time I experienced much depression in my life is when my parents were getting divorced Mm -hmm. like so like 10 to 14 was really difficult and that was like a tough age to like have parents get divorced actually it felt like the world it actually felt like the world was like ending like one day it was just like there was going to be no more yeah um and you know the only thing that i really had was like sports to grab onto so i just went to school for sports mm-hmm. i would get up for sports i would do the chores for sports yeah i would get my grades for sports and like that's what my outlet was was just competing Goals. and and having a goal it sounds like that would just be so beneficial for people but how would someone even go about like finding that like, See, I don't necessarily, like, this is just my opinion, yeah. think that fighting depression has to do with finding a purpose just mm-hmm. because you find people who are, like, 40, 50 years old who, like, find their purpose. Does that You're mean right. they should live till they're 40 feeling depressed? Yeah. I think it has to do with, like, again, like the chemical bases, like dopamine. When's dopamine released after we accomplish a task? Yeah. So it's just about task accomplishment. I, I personally, I think it's about task accomplishment. No one's you, ever brushed their teeth and been more sad. <laughs> <laughs> Were you ever sad after brushing? You've never their teeth? taken a <laughs> shower and just been like pissed off. <laughs> like, like, oh man, I'm I clean. Can't how to do that? Yeah. <laughs> you make your bed and you just get angry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. mess it up anyway. Yeah. I'm gonna get home. <laughs> yeah. That's actually that's that's a really good point. Um, one-off question, sidebar question. I find that people who are commonly de- sad or depressed. Um, 
are commonly like surrounding themselves with that and like manifesting like like sad music and 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 you know things like that. Yeah. Am I am I adding you with that? Yeah. <laughs> I have such sky Elenium <laughs> is my favorite, and that's how you should know. I'm always in my feels. <laughs> I'm always in my. For me, it's like an outlet though. It's it's definitely like um, I have a hard time expressing my emotions necessarily. Yeah. So I don't I don't really listen to sad music too because I want to feel sad, and yeah. it's like it's more so like. You can't ignore that shit, man. Mm -hmm. You can't ignore your bad feelings because it's going to come up. You're going to spiral like at least me. So like if I'm feeling like I got to feel something, yeah. I got to let myself feel this shit right yeah. now. And it's like, let's put on some Millennium or something. Yeah. <laughs> let's put on some Matt Mason. I got to cry it out. Yeah. And then it's like, then I'm done. But then I'm done. Then you got to yeah. get back to happy music. You got to get back to like a normal way of life. But you definitely have to have the time where you sit and feel it. But like as far as like... If you, it's easy to get stuck in that though. Yeah. Stuck in that, like I'm depressed, depressing music. I have a question for you. Um, what's your thought process on so so? Dopamine is released during uh, task completion. It's also if you get complimented, yeah, or some, or you get attention or validation of some sort. Mm -hmm. We have a release happen. Um, what is your thought? I'm not picking a side. What is your thought on the belief system that states? Oftentimes, people will choose to stay in a more depressed state so that they will continually get the uh, praise of, oh, you, like, it's it's, it's going to be okay. Like, you know, there, there's better days. Like, oh, is there anything I can do for you? Because they feel like yeah. people start serving them mm -hmm. and can you know, checking on them maybe with a little bit more frequency or a little bit more intent behind it. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like... And after I say this, people don't start checking on me like I'm good. But I'm like the friend that like I've never really checked on. Like there's yeah. like there's two people that check on me, and I don't need any more. So I'm not saying that like checked on serious. Yeah. But Your like, box is gonna be blown up too <laughs> when this podcast is Matt Mason on tonight. All of my every client I have is going, "Hey, coach, checking in, <laughs> checking with you." Yeah, <laughs> coach, we should be checking. <laughs> what are your measurements today? What are your measurements? <laughs> depressed yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not big enough oh man so so um what's 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 your thought process around that i feel like it's highly individualistic yeah for me man i hate that shit yeah if i'm depressed like leave me the fuck alone you can but just not because i don't like people reaching out because i appreciate it but it's just like I feel like there's nothing you can do. And yeah. I feel like the people who do check in on me, I feel like it just adds a burden to them because I know when, when I love someone and they're in a bad place, like I cannot be fully happy. I'm always going to think about like, damn, like my best friend is in a really shitty place. Like I, it's, it's something like you can't really be on top of the world if your people aren't with you. And for me, it's like, I know there's nothing they can do to help me. There's nothing that they can do to bring me out of it. Like, so I just kind of like back off and deal with it myself. I don't like the like, oh, it's okay. It's more like I don't like pity, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so it's like a power thing. Okay. So for me, that makes me feel more shitty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I yeah. feel that. Question for you What sparked your interest in neuro? Is it the fact that, like, you have some demons, as we like to call them, that you're just like, I want to understand, like, what's going on in an actual, like, chemical setting? Or, like, were you always just fascinated by it? Um, I've always been fascinated by it. Um, I'm not a neurologist by any standpoint. Yeah. I've taken like basic and bio, um, my bachelor's neurology and then just like medical neurology and my master's. But I've always been fascinated because it's one of the organs that we don't know everything about. Um, I became genuinely way more interested because I did research a lot about like neuro, um, 
neuropsychiatry and everything because I think it was three years ago I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. Mm -hmm. And that's a secondary diagnosis on top. So basically it's just like you had a predisposition or you're born with some sort of chemical imbalance and then environmental just kind of like, bam, now you have a personality disorder. Mm-hmm. So it's something you can grow out of, um, but necessarily it's it's a cluster B, so they don't have always the best prognoses. Mm-hmm. Um, people usually only reach remission after like 10 years of institutionalization. Wow. And um, it was like following like a suicide attempt for me. So I was like, I got to get this shit under control. Yeah, like, yeah. No, no, like nobody, I don't deserve happiness for anybody else except myself. Like I don't, my life is mine, mm-hmm. but I do have to figure out how to deal with it. They're like, for me, I'm like, people have dealt with more and come out of more. I'm like, I can go through this, but I have to learn it first. So every time I say that on the podcast, I get dozens of people who message me saying like, hey, you know, like that's a really toxic way of viewing things. And listen, listen, it might be, it might be. Maybe. That's Not okay. Me <laughs> like I'm chilling. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm alive. I'm happy. Toxic to go through life like, well, yeah, that happened. But like this guy doesn't have a house. So like, you know, like there's yeah. people going through worse. Um, what do you think about that? I think it's okay to live that way. I, I think if I think whatever gets you through yeah, your I hard do. time, fuck everybody else. Yeah, I do. I'm allowed to say on. Oh, I feel I feel good about when I'm like, hey, someone like isn't eating a meal today, and like I've had four. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, whatever happened? Yeah, like, I'm chill. I mean, whatever. I definitely have some like toxic things that get me through like anything hard. I'm not gonna. I'll, yeah. The most toxic thing. My toxic trait is like when I was in prep and in like my exam block, man, that really made me like, I'm not doing this shit again. I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish, but I'm not doing this shit again. Yeah. I'm just like, there's so many people who hate me. I know. There's so many people who don't think I can succeed and tried to stop me, like in my family. Yeah. I can't wait to shove my fucking success down their throat with a smile. That's not talk. That's not healthy. That's not healthy. But you know what? There's way worse far. toxic traits to have. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got there's you this worse. far. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot worse toxic traits. Everyone needs a little flavor. They do. <laughs> my, my, my biggest one is when... Um when like my my stress elevates, I elevate my workload as well, <laughs> and so so now now it's competition, and like I'm in the middle of it right now. I'm in the firestorm right now. Like man, stress is high, work is nuts. Yeah, like, but it's like if I'm so focused on my goals, but again, that's a dopamine chasing. That's like you know I'm stressed as fuck, but I'm doing all this shit. Look at me, my task completion on a day. Perfect. Most people don't do it a month. Yeah, I feel great about it. But then also at the end of the day, you're like. Do you ever feel that? Dude, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the end of the day comes, I'm like, oh, crap, I haven't been outside. <laughs> this isn't good. Or it's like, I think someone else did more than me today. Maybe I should do more. <laughs> it's never enough. I uh, I just saw um, I just saw an Instagram about that, about someone talking about how it's a really dangerous place to be with yourself when everyone around you is telling you how much you're accomplishing, how much you're leveling up, yada, yada. And at the end of every day, you're sitting there like, I, I, don't just, I didn't get it enough done. <laughs> and I was like, is it? Yeah. I, I feel great. Balance. Yeah. There's a there's definitely a balance. Like I would say if it's to the point where like it's really hurting your, you know, mental health and mm-hmm. like you're you're horrible to everyone around you and like but you know, you seem like a pretty happy go lucky guy and like you know, all the pictures of you laughing like a madman at the gym. I'm gonna say it's you're me. doing okay. I'm I'm chilling, dude. I couldn't be yeah. <laughs> But if you're so hard on yourself to the yeah. point where you're miserable. Yeah. Yeah, maybe take a step back. Yeah. I definitely used to be there finding that um, I, I guess kind of that balance of where am I able to keep myself from 
crippling with like the, the just the overall workload. Um, it's like it's 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 more than just like coaching. Coaching is just like what I talk about so much, but it's mm-hmm. like the social workload, uh, romantic workload, like the other professional workload, and then like dude, I'm I'm chasing bodybuilding workload too. Like there, there's a lot going on, and I feel like now's the first time I've ever really been able to like hone in and I guess kind of perfect the way that I'm operating, handling it. Mm-hmm. And like, it's funny cause I've never had pictures of me smiling at the gym. And now it's like, every time someone pulls out a camera, like yeah, <laughs> have memes about it, huh? Like now every time someone pulls out a camera at the gym and points it to me, like I'm smiling at something. And so like, for me, it's funny because there was like this validation moment like three or four months ago where I was like, man, you know what? Like, I've kind of made it. Everything I ever dreamed about is it's kind of happening. Like right now. I'm like, you deserve this. Yeah. And now it's just not good enough. No. <laughs> like now it needs more. So let me ask you. Well, you don't want to hit your peak right now anyway. No. Nah, yeah. Nah. Who wants that? I'm peaking at like 70. <laughs> I'll peak at 70, dude. Yeah, I got Love time. Yeah. I got time. My telomeres, they got they got lit. <laughs> your telomerates. It's pretty yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, they, they're good, dude. Yeah. We got this. Um something that I know has fueled myself and you know, you shared in this podcast this field, you trauma. Yeah. What would your definition? You're you're you have your master's in medicine now, so you're a medical professional. Congratulations. Thank you. By the way, yeah, this is a big. new thing that happened yeah. like four days ago. Exactly. <laughs> four days ago. Graduation. Yeah. So what would you categorize from all of your knowledge within the medical realm Mm -hmm. versus you just simply being a person who's self-aware and who's um, orbitally aware. What would you categorize like trauma as? Um, I have a little bit of a different definition. I don't think it's ever like this is a traumatic event and it's traumatic for everyone. Right. So like you said, divorce. Yeah. Um, my parents' divorce was the best thing that happened to my childhood. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. So I feel like I love to have factual as much as possible evidence for any definition. So I feel like it's whatever sets off like a huge chemical imbalance. Like the shock of it like floods, you know, um, I guess you're like emotional processing to the point where like it's making a lasting impact. So for me, it's anything that's like a very character defining moment that you will struggle with for a while. And I think that's a little different for everybody. Interesting. Yeah. So the way that people are able to Everyone's had like the worst trauma in their life, mm-hmm. but everyone handles that trauma in their own manner, of course. From a chemical reaction standpoint, as more and more traumas happen to you, is there a greater or a lesser reaction chemically? Let's say Ooh, that's a good one. Um, man, it's kind of. It's kind of touchy subjects to talk about. Let's, see Let's say um, sister dies. Mm-hmm. Me, me and my sister aren't close, but I love her. And if something happened to her, that would be a very character-defining moment. That would be extremely intense. Parents got divorced when I was in between 10 and 14. I think it was finalized when I was like 14. So call it like 12. Mm-hmm. The chemical reaction, it, it doesn't know whether your sister died or whether your parents got divorced. It's just reacting to something that made that surge an emotional response. Yeah. Would that be 
lesser or greater now that I'm older and more cognizant and more aware. It's hard to compare my opinion because, I mean, when you're a child, I always say like a trauma that happens to an adult, like a grown man and the trauma, if it's the same trauma to a little boy, mm -hmm. the little boy is going to suffer a lot more for the rest mm -hmm. of his life. And that's something that's going to take a lot more time to heal from and possibly, again, affect everything that happens to him and the way he processes emotions after that. Mm -hmm. um, as a child, you're still grieving the loss of your your family, your family dynamic, every, the life as you know and you knew it. Um, now you have to still grieve and learn how to live a new life mm -hmm. with a different dynamic and a loss of your parents' marriage. Um, mm -hmm. And you're young. As an adult, I'm not saying like it would hurt less. Mm -hmm. Maybe the permanence of it, because your parents are still in your life, but mm -hmm. like death is permanent. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But I still feel like it wouldn't be as like traumatizing for the, your like next relationships or like if you have other siblings like your relationships with them like i don't necessarily think it'll bring you and your siblings closer yeah. if you had other ones yeah but like your parents divorcing may affect like your relationships now yeah you know so we understand neuroplasticity we understand um you know, I I have this saying, my friends hate it. I have this saying, it's like, well, you start dating someone, like you're either going to break up or you're going to get married and be together forever. Like <laughs> no. there's no in between that can possibly happen. No. Like it's literally this way or like it's that <laughs> yeah. way. Like you, you know, there's only so much that, that you control in that. Um, the We're growing in, 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 in these relationships and we always hear, uh, you know, this person's bringing previous trauma from this situation that happened a while back. And people are like, well, are you with a therapist? Are you in therapy? How are you working through these things? Yada, yada. Mm -hmm. Is there work that you would say someone would be able to do themselves to get their own without externally speaking to somebody? Because, I mean, dude, it's expensive. Like having like therapists is like pricey yeah if you can't afford that is there work that could be done to simply we understand neuroplasticity we understand yeah. we can change these things we can change them which is consistency is kind of my what i'm picking up here yeah if we consistently practice this every day would you say that these traumas could be worked through in a place where they're simply patched up and kind of good to go based off of the self-work that you put in and if so what do you think that self-work would look like you know the things that i love doing yeah am i am i i would love to know if i'm accurate or if i'm off base in those things um remind me of the things so that you like i love the meditation yeah, i love I the journaling yeah i love just like extreme i had a conversation with a friend this morning i just love extremely real vulnerable no filter no edit conversation 100 percent. like this is what happened and this is exactly what's going on how do you feel about it? Um, I feel like that's really healthy. Yeah. It's going to hurt. Like it hurts both people at times, but like we're Nothing also humans. From comfort. <laughs> no, yeah, you're yeah. right. And we're, dude, we're all doing the best we can possibly do. Yeah. Like sometimes that's going to hurt other people. Can those things rewire you to get to a point where like you're not as <laughs> damaged goods? <laughs> hundred <laughs> percent. I feel like you're always going to be a little bit damaged goods, but again, yeah. it adds a little flavor to your life. Um, makes you funnier. <laughs> Definitely makes you funnier. Yeah. <laughs> we did talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I personally did a lot of meditating where I took like two years off of school. Um, I actually gave up on my dream of being a doctor for a while. Um, horrible, like drop coaches for bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. 
And um, I was doing therapy. And it's more so like the therapist is like, they're kind of here to point out your damagedness mm -hmm. if you don't see it yourself. And then they send you home with homework. But I would say just like the majority, the, just like if you're in school, the majority of the learning that you do is by yourself, not in class. You spend like two hours in each lecture, mm -hmm. but I spend 40 to 60 hours a week studying, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so yeah, for me, meditation, it was like the ability to like, not necessarily clear my head, but it's like when everything is silent, where does my mind go? Let's follow that. How does that make me feel? Why does it make me feel that way? And journaling, I'm a big journaler. Like, I don't know if you know, but I like wake up, the first thing I usually do is like sit and I journal, I do the gratitude. And then I just like, you know, I certainly I became a little more religious lately. So now it's become more like geared to God and it's like a conversation with God. And then I also just like, this is the woman I wanna be. This is her characteristics. This is where she's at in life. This is what she provides for herself and the people mm -hmm. around her. And I think, addressing like, if I wanna get there, there's things I'm doing that is, that that woman doesn't do. Mm -hmm. There are ways that I act and think that she doesn't act and think like. Oh, so you're, you're reinforcing the standard and holding the standard mm -hmm. and you're just identifying the places that you're not reaching that. And also acknowledging that like, Man, I was toxic. Yeah. That was wrong. Yeah. They didn't that they didn't deserve that. I yeah. didn't I didn't deserve that. Yeah. So I think it's like going back to like your damagedness and carrying into new relationships. It's looking back and being like, the relationships modeled for me mm -hmm. were not healthy. Mm -hmm. That's not what I want for myself. Mm -hmm. This is how I was in a relationship that wasn't healthy. That person didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. Mm -hmm. And then that's really you're not you're not gonna find somebody in a state where you think you deserve toxicity and be happy with them or last, mm -hmm. in my opinion. So you have to do that work first. Understanding the belief, having the belief that I didn't deserve that in terms of the actions that I did. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, they didn't deserve that. I didn't deserve it from myself to do that to somebody or to treat somebody like that or say that to somebody or whatever the case may be. That's a really powerful ownership position. Yeah. And that changes a lot of framework from victim mentality of like, well, this happened to me. So, well, like I, it was prompted by some things that I did as well. Mm -hmm. That shift in the language was massive massive for it was life-changing for me personally Same. when you can look and be like you know what like yeah this is the list of what happened to to me my list is just as long my list might be longer and then people start you know there's yeah we I'm all want to self-validate. I'm the villain in some yeah. story for no, sure. Man, I'm a villain in quite a few. <laughs> It'd be like that sometimes. <laughs> It'd just be like that. Sorry. Yeah. But it, well, it's like for myself, um, something that's been an interesting recent development is um, I'm, I'm friends with all of my notable exes. And, and I don't, <laughs> yeah, yeah. People, people are like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. Like me and Megan Davis, we're best friends. Oh, I forgot. Longer best Davis, friends. Yeah. 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 Like obviously Danielle and I are like best, like I'm, they're my best friends and people, I like, don't understand it, okay. but like my thought process, I like, do. We shared the most insane memories of my life. Like we shaped each other and shifted each other during our time together um, romantically in ways that like, I mean, man, we're all winning. Like we're all like really winning big. That like, we should be part of this. Like we should be part of this journey. And there's people who think that's weird. Yeah. 
And it's weird because it's not the societal norm. But no one knows your dynamic. No one understands the dynamic. Yeah. I know that's the current difficulty going on in my life. Mm. I'm triggered. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, like, it's a safe space. We're literally just friends. Yeah. But I love them each so much and with so much intensity because that's what we built and that's what our foundation is. Yeah. People find that extremely strange. I find it, and I know it's not applicable for everybody whatsoever. I find it so riveting and enlightening and empowering that, you know what? These things happen. We all have had conversations about, man, like this is where I really sucked. And particularly Megan Davis. Like I really sucked there. That one was like a 90-10. I was the 90. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you got to acknowledge it before you can move on for sure. And we didn't talk for four years. And in that four-year time, I was like, oh, crap. Yeah, like that wasn't good. I mean, I have some Exes that would definitely benefit from therapy. I can say that like yeah. wholeheartedly. Yeah. <laughs> but but being able to work through those things and then and then you come together and you have dialogue about it. Yeah. I feel like it's made me a much more well-equipped romantic partner and it's made me a much more well-equipped friend, just a man. Like in yeah. general, because hey, what better way to like grow than like the direct feedback from the people who literally were in the vortex <laughs> with you like their feedback's the most valuable i can tell my friends whatever i want to say once once i feel like the the what's the word the fresh wound i feel like is healed because yeah. if it's fresh it's like they might just be saying some shit if there's any romanticism left yes. then it's not going to work no no like it has to be pretty everyone, black and but white but everyone made us a better person yeah. for someone else Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, I have to always say, like, I would be fine if I never saw any of my exes again. Like, yeah. no offense to them. Uh, <laughs> restraining orders might have happened. Hit me like that. <laughs> but, like that. <laughs> but I mean, at the end of the day, each and every person that you're with or get to know, whether it's friend, like platonic or romantic, yeah. you know, you're learning what you like and what you don't like. And yeah. you're learning who you want to be and like the kind of dynamics you want. Like, I, my last ex, like for sure, like he made me go to therapy. Yeah. He was like, you're, you're fucked up. Yeah. You know, he definitely needs therapy too yeah. from me. But I mean, I did. Yeah. I wanted to be, I didn't want to be better for me at the time. Yeah. I wanted to be better for him. Yeah. And I would say like, I mean, obviously it didn't work out, but I would say I'm very grateful. I don't, don't know. Maybe we could be friends in the future. Yeah. But I'm very grateful because it did accelerate my growth as a woman. Yeah. And I like, I'm very confident in the kind of partner I am now. Like I am at the point where I know I deserve health. Like yeah. fuck that noise with all the toxic yeah. shit, playing games back and forth, yelling, you know, degrading, you know, not consensually. <laughs> 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 but, you know, I can definitely say I'm a, I'm a great partner now. I'm not perfect, but yeah. because of the experiences I've been through with the people that I've known. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's beautiful that you can still be friends with them because there has to be, in my opinion, for it to be healthy, like nothing romantic left. But no. if you guys know that yeah. and you're like, you moved on, you have a great friendship, I think that can be beautiful. It shows also yeah. like, I think a lot of maturity on both ends. A lot of maturity. There's been a lot of trials and tribulations. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I'm, my I'm sure. Good God, that's for sure. <laughs> but, you know, communication, I'm, I, I constantly talk about communication. I talk constantly talk about pushing yourself in those variables. Something I commonly will ask people is, when's the last time you had a really, really hard conversation? Like that kind of conversation that it's like, you're prepared to say what's about to come out, but like, 
the like this isn't making the noises yet. You yeah. gotta hype it up to make the noises. Like, it gets like tighter and tighter. Yeah. It's like the longer I wait, the worse yeah. it's gonna be. But I can't. It's not now you're fun. like overthinking it. So it's just blurted out. Like, it's gotta be. <laughs> or you start laughing like like it's not funny, but I'm laughing. My traumas are coming up right now. These are the demons. <laughs> My demons are in the gym or like yeah. laughing in a really inappropriate yeah. scenario. Oh god, when it's a bad time to laugh and you just can't really help yourself. I can't oh, believe I'm having your mom this didn't love you <laughs> it's, not, yeah. it's not funny but i'm yeah. laughing <laughs> but laughing at you it's kind of at myself <laughs> it's my nervous system it's dysregulated just <laughs> buckle up and enjoy the ride that's gonna be my new excuse now i'm sorry my nervous system's just dysregulated <laughs> my excuse for everything the past three months you know yeah. you're like can you sleep more than two hours tonight sky <laughs> i literally like, asked you that i literally asked you at one point with Duke, you're like please? can you stop training and just sleep more than yeah. two hours and get like a meal in solid food that's all i'm asking i literally think i'm, I'm Message you one day asking if you had just eaten. You're, yeah, you You're, it was deeper. It was deeper. You were like, you look. You took one look at my check-ins. Yeah. Like it was like I sent it. You read it, yeah. and it was like, Sky, we deserve to eat. And yeah. I was like, I'm crying. <laughs> I did say that. You're like, we like, deserve to eat. And I was like, fuck, you're right. <laughs> my goal for you this week is to eat. <laughs> solid food. Yeah, 10 pounds in a yeah, week. That's right. That yes, was hard. Solid food. That was the goal. It took me three months to gain yeah. 10 pounds back that that's I lost crazy. in that week. Yeah. Hey, we're hitting the ground running now. Oh, we're yeah. We're really yeah. running now. Oh, my God. The growth yeah. is crazy. Yeah, I absolutely <laughs> love seeing it. Yeah. Pain tolerance and high achievers. All right. This yeah. is something I, I'm, I'm very curious in because in my group – um, my, my, in my big friend group, um, I have a lot of high achievers and I'm very blessed to be around some of them I'm going to dinner with tonight, actually. And it's interesting when I look at the split, it's about 50, 50, like 50% of them get into the gym, and like push themselves really hard and then continually make like physical progression. And none of these people have anything to do with the fitness industry, uh, which is probably why they're some of my favorite friends that I have. Um, and the other 50% like don't even have gym memberships. They don't even hit steps. Like they're vastly out of shape. They drink, they smoke, they whatever. Do they not feel bad about themselves so, having you as a friend on Instagram? Because I, I do yeah. sometimes. When I have no idea. My steps. <laughs> I know. I, I, I have no idea. Well, I have to say, one of my friends, he's like, the, my, the richest friend that I have doesn't even have social media. Smart. Nowhere <laughs> on it. And I'm like, dude, like, I envy everything about your life. Like, you have everything you need and you don't have to have social media? Like, dude, threaten me with a good time. Like, yeah. holy crap. You don't get a dopamine release when you hear that day on your phone? <laughs> right? right? No, his dopamine release is from the next million that just came in. <laughs> like, True. Wow, True. that would be incredible. Yeah. Um. Is there a correlation between pain tolerance and success and more challenging feels like entrepreneurship? My thought process would just simply be entrepreneurship is similar to sports to me. There's mm -hmm. a lot of challenges, roadblocks, things. That a lot of failures you have to so endure. Crap. Like if people had any idea. Um, it's very difficult to find your way through success. So you have to be able to, even when the path uh, is off kelter, or things get fuzzy, you have to be able to still see the end vision, see the end goal, mm -hmm. and continually work towards that. I would think that there could be some correlation there. What do you think about oh, that? I, I couldn't agree more. And like, I think we shouldn't just, you know, talk about pain as like physical pain. Mm -hmm. Failure hurts. Mm -hmm. If you someone, if you're someone who likes to win, mm -hmm. failure hurts, mm -hmm. you know? And if you have big dreams, 
there's no way that you're going to get there without failing. And if you don't have tolerance, pain tolerance, failure tolerance, how are you going to get there? If you if you quit after your first, second, and third, fourth failure, how are you going to get there? You know, these people who are like me, maybe the ones who like aren't even in the gym, I'm sure they still went through a lot of failures. So bodybuilders, like, not I haven't known anybody any bodybuilders get first place and then their pro card and win in yeah. Olympia. We yeah. all lost. Yeah. You know, these entrepreneurs that are your friends, I'm sure they lost a lot of money. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of deals that went under. Yeah. I'm sure there was points, points in their life that they were like, oh my God, I made a huge mistake. I'm going under. Like, I made the word, I should have just taken the safe route. I should have just stopped at, you know, when I was comfortable, mm -hmm. you know. How do you get to that point? How, what in life, what in life goes the route of, you know what, I'm not going to have a job. I'm not going to. I'm going to make my own job. Yeah. I'm going to create something. The beauty of entrepreneurship is like this, this thing, it doesn't exist yet. Mm -hmm. There's nothing you can actually hold on to and grasp onto. And I'm going to turn this abstract air into something I can literally go and touch or give to a customer or, you know, sell for, for monetary gain. It has to be resilience and then maybe a little craziness. Has to be. It has to be. One of your talking points, you were you asked about um the limbic system and like yeah. trauma and development yeah. and how it affects risk taking and decision making. That's, that's what I was going to. Yeah. <laughs> so you have also in your limbic system called your cingulate and it it just acts as like a roadway. And that's what kind of gets a little messed up mm -hmm. when you're traumatized or abandoned or neglected. So now you're kind of like you're making connections in places that necessarily shouldn't be there. And you're having like hyperactive parts of your brain that may be dealing with, again, risk-taking and decision-making. So whereas like a neurotypical person, you know, pick, pick a fence, mm -hmm. they might be like, 90% uh, risk failure, maybe not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whereas like maybe some traumatized people might be like, that's a 10% win. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's how I've kind of always viewed it. Yeah. So again, it's just like, because trauma at the end of the day makes you know, like, I can go through hardship and I can keep going through hardship. Yeah. You know, whereas like people who have always had it safe and comfortable, it's gotten them that far. Mm -hmm. They don't know anything different. Mm -hmm. Why would they make big risks? Mm -hmm. Why would their decisions be based off of the 1% that they could be mm -hmm. when it's much comfortable doing the 99? So the limbic system, when you're developing and there's traumas and stresses and whatnot, and some roadways are being blocked off and some things just aren't getting to the the, the growth that they need to be at there's a few routes that people can go like we've kind of only really highlighted like the good or like the moderate routes like the good route is like well you became an entrepreneur you became <laughs> you know whatever like you made all this money holy shit good job trauma yeah yeah <laughs> or like you know the moderate route is just like well you know you just kind of hurt people your whole life yeah. but then there's the other route and the other route's like you become a, a legitimately bad person. Yeah, like a menace to society. A menace basically. to society because of the traumas that you had when this was developing. You would say that a lot of that's related to the limbic system development? I would say mostly because that's how you, you know, your emotion, that's how you make connections with people. Mm -hmm. That's how you, that's how you interpret your entire environment. So people who are like serial killers, yeah. they don't like have emotion towards others. They, um, what's that? It's just, I mean, they just lack empathy. They lack empathy. Essentially. That's like the character. That's a defining thing. Yeah. Because all cluster Bs, because technically, um, you know, narcissistic personality disorder, borderline, histrionic, and they call it antisocial now. These are all cluster Bs. Mm -hmm. And even though like, 
I have empathy. I have I have empathy. I just want to put it out there. Um, but <laughs> she's, the, <laughs> she's not a serial killer. Not I. <laughs> then no one knows. The plot thickens. Um, but it, they're all characterized by not having a clear like a clear perception of what reality really is. Okay. So for like antisocial people. You know, they always say like narcissists are the ones that feel like gods, but antisocial, their entire emotional wiring, you know, um, the limbic system also plays, as you know, it's like the sympathetic nervous system. That's why like we're like in fight or flight. That's why I didn't eat for a week. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. they, whereas most people getting pulled over by a cop, mm-hmm. even if you feel like you didn't do anything wrong, you're like, yeah, holy that's shit. That's me. Antisocial personality, they don't get nervous. They don't think they're in trouble ever. They think they're above the law. It's almost like a game. Like so Ted what, Bundy. What if they're in jail? They can this get out. Matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. No way. Like there's no, there's no like stress. Like I'm getting caught. I want to go to jail. I want to be in jail for the rest of my life. Like they're, they can get out. Like they're, maybe they think that they're caught because they let themselves get caught. Yeah. You know, they, they don't have to follow the rules of society. Okay. Um, that leads me to the Idaho murder. What's that guy's name? Um, mm, I don't know. What you're I can't about. remember his name. He studied uh, criminal justice. He was like getting a master's or PhD in it or might have had it or whatever. They're always high achieving people. Yeah. He murdered all these people in Idaho, like all in a house, like four people, like three girls, one guy or something in a house. Okay. The case is ongoing right now. They think whoever they is he's being connected to murders in other states yeah. that were followed a similar path he like drove his own car he left like uh the knife sheath behind that's a game like like he was playing a game like yeah. he wanted to get caught because like these other murders that he's been connected to and i don't say that up with it actually i was just chatting with megan uh long about this this morning on facetime she was uh she's been following some of the britney spears conspiracies which oh, yeah. i know are really intense <laughs> yeah They're I don't really intense. Down rabbit holes. <laughs> so i used to like, do that and i just noticed like my nervous system was just not yes. right i don't do tiktok anymore I yeah for my phone really? stop sending me tiktoks i don't watch my them. whole tiktok is just ai <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. yeah it's oh, awesome um but my tiktok used to be like these murderous things like mm-hmm. i was keeping up with this one in south carolina that was nuts and this guy did this and then all you're seeing is like you know that that stuff because the algorithm but man like my brain just wasn't really right like it wasn't super happy so uh, sidebar don't keep things that don't make you feel good like in your social media feed but it's almost like this guy got bored of getting away with it yeah. and he wanted to get caught he wanted to get notoriety and you see like there's videos of him getting stopped by cops on the drive back and like he just is chilling like he's cool like after he killed these people I he I think he like drove past the scene again when police were there like investigating what was going on he drove past or something like that. Yeah. So he's just completely disassociated from the reality of yeah. of what's going on like the, he wants to be caught right there. Yeah. What the hell happened to that guy? Like like how do you end up in a place where you're like, you know what? Like I, if, if he is connected to the other murders. Yeah. And again, I, I'm not well versed on it. Nor will <laughs> I be, if he is, he was just like, no, like now I want to get caught. Like, so he lacks, he empathy, wants a challenge, but, but he lacks empathy for people. Of course. So what's, what's the, 
benefit of getting caught? What's the thrill of getting caught? It's it's not it's more like a challenge. Just like we see different things as a challenge. Yeah. You know, it's more like like you said, it's it's too easy. You know, they're not these people are stupid. They're not catching me. Yeah. Let's let's make it a little easier for them and then I'll still get away. He has no intention of actually getting caught. He yeah. still thinks like he just wants it to be like a little more a little more spice in his life. Like get a little closer. Interesting. Know? But no, they're, they, their way of processing emotion and, you know, their entire environment and connecting with other people is completely different than, you know, again, I'm not like a neuro or a yeah. psychology major by any means, but all of these things, again, can be um, fixed by therapy as kids. Yeah. Even, even antisocial, even serial killers, if you had got them when they, three years old, you get, you catch them when they're three years old, they can start to form sentences, you can build a dialogue, they'll more times than not be normal, like functioning human beings. So there's ways to identify like at three that they're just disassociated from from the uh, reality, maybe? Hurting animals is number one. Oh really? Yeah, they get they get like thrill out of like killing or hurting animals. Really? Or other people. Wow. Yeah, they don't okay. get um upset if you yell at them. Like kids usually cry if you're they're in trouble or get spanked or yelled or whatever. They don't care. They don't care about getting in trouble, they don't care about getting caught, they don't respect you as a parent, they're defiant, but they're smart and they hurt animals or other people other kids. But again, you can you can shape and mold these kids' brain. They'll grow yeah. up. You, again, the pathway is the pathway is not even close to being solidified. Yeah. How your emotions and attachment styles and everything is formed. Mm-hmm. So you you catch it young, and I mean, my therapist said that you know my my diagnosis is secondary. Antisocial yeah. personality is a secondary diagnosis. Yeah. There probably is a chemical predisposition. There's something going on. But as far as like you know, the murdering people, <laughs> yeah, you can probably teach that out of them when they're yeah, really uh, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully, it's a little intense. <laughs> okay, so like someone like like who just has no empathy, who doesn't connect well with other people, do they like have sex? Like, do they like they like hook up with other people? I mean, you still your amygdala still has to do with like sexual attraction and everything, yeah. and it's activated by pheromones no matter what. Okay, like it's it's activated by the pheromones or whatever you're attracted to. Um, but again, sex is also a physical release mm-hmm. and it's a need for everyone. And also they may not connect. They may not have like the emotional aspect of sexual interactions, but also power, you know, especially for men. Sex is yeah. power for men. Yeah. Like that's why like not to get too deep, but like men don't necessarily rape other men because they're homosexual. Yeah. It's a power thing. So I feel like antisocial, mm-hmm. they most definitely have sex because it's power. Man, at that point, you just want to like... <laughs> Who are they hooking up with? Like, <laughs> good God! Like um, you're antisocial. Your of your situationship. Here's a checklist <laughs> to go home with to make sure they're not. You know, they're not going to kill you. Maybe. <laughs> I just, how do you form a connection with some like? Like I'm thinking of like you're a man who has these tendencies, and women typically are more profound when there's an emotional connection. And sex. Like how do you even like? Maybe you can fake it because you need that that, that desire for power. You're able to like fake an emotional connection. You're able I, to... I feel like definitely some people can fake it. I don't yeah. know. I mean, definitely people antisocial. They don't think they're doing anything wrong. You know, um, huh. red flag if people can't be emotional in bed. Red flag. Go yeah. to, go to therapy. Yeah, <laughs> but like like any sort of vulnerability, like whatsoever in communication, is just like like uh, I'm just I'm not sure I'm not sure how like these people would 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 get to that point um but i mean there was that woman who was like in love with ted bundy and swore until the day he died dude, that he was right. innocent like he had to do something to her you're right i don't know what he was doing but it was a lot yeah. of women were right i think yeah. ted bundy was like killing women who were like he was 
involved with. Oh yeah. Yeah. Actually I was, I was listening up on like um, a psychologist that, um, you know, specializes in cluster B and they, they describe it as circus X. It's a way to get you under their control. Interesting. Yeah. That's fascinating. Um, Nociceptors. Did I say that right? Nociceptors. Yes. I said it right on the first time. The you first did. time I talked about it too. But that was impressive. It was. I was. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. You can guess yourself too much. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> but then capsaicin, it was just like. Yeah. It was like. <laughs> it, was, the, it was a mess. <laughs> didn't I give it a round table? I was like, how do you how do you say this word? What's this word? <laughs> yeah, you did. So, insights from nociceptors perceived pain. How can these be translated into like bodybuilding style training? So now we understand like pain. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say like, pain is a social construct because I love using that. Term. <laughs> but like pain is more so just a protection agent. Yeah. We could call it. Knowing this, you're listening to this podcast, you're driving to the gym. That's what most people do. Or you're at the gym, right? You're doing now. cardio if you're me. You're doing cardio. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, what do you, how do you translate this? How do you correlate this? How do you take that knowledge and you actually make it be something that you can put into the leg press set? You yeah. put into the hack squat set. Like, what do you tell yourself when you're going through this? That's like, it's eh, not really pain. Like, yeah, I actually kind of developed a toxic training style that people would yeah. watch me train and be like, you need to stop sooner or up the way or something because but we're making good progress. We're making progress. I mean, <laughs> what was I? Was I? Um, it's more so like I literally only let myself stop at mechanical failure. Yeah. Like I yeah. let myself get crushed under the weight. Yeah. I actually broke the Smith machine. I'm in my 40 and everyone was really, really mad. You were the one who broke it, yeah. weren't you? <laughs> Hell yeah. And, I was proud. And you got like Nick Walker who's like loading that on with like yeah. 12 plates on each side. And I had two yeah. on each side. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I just, I just let myself fail. You know, you're yeah. training and no one else at the gym. Like, what am I going to do? Stop because I don't have a spot? No, yeah. I'm not going to die. You know, uh, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> but yeah, I was just like, I just kept telling myself like, if I'm doing a heavy load, I don't even look at the weight. Or if I know, I lie to myself. Like if I, I started pulling like 315 just for the fun yeah. of it. And yeah, I was like, yeah. the first time I did again, I was like, it's just 135. Yeah. The whole time. What was I not? I was like, 135, 135, yeah. close my eyes, 135. You know, when I'm going through like the death sets or whatever, I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, yeah. it's not pain. Yeah. It's not pain. Yeah. Like my brain is saying it's pain. Like, don't be a bitch. Yeah. Like, it's not pain. You're not hurting yourself. You're not going to break your leg. You're not, you know, you're not tearing your muscle from yeah. the bone. It's not pain. So that's what I tell myself. Like, if you think it's pain, you're just being a bitch. Yeah. Like, maybe that's not healthy. I feel like women are able to push harder than men naturally. You have said that. Yeah. That was so interesting. Yeah. I remember you said because you are. Clients I mean, who I, I mean I, yeah, I, I look at a hundred training videos a day and like I, more so early on. Yeah. I would say, you know, I give everyone the same spiel like, hey, it's going to take you like six, seven months to really adapt to the training that I want to see. So, like, in that 100%. time, I just had a conversation yesterday with somebody in that time frame, like, don't get discouraged because you're continually getting training feedback. Like, it's just, we're just meticulous in the way that we mm-hmm. want to train, right? I'm watching men finish sets. And like, if you're watching on YouTube, like a man's finishing a set like that. And it's like, well, it was hard where it's like a woman's like, oh, 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 you know, like barely getting it there. I peed myself doing the leg yeah, press. That's pretty common. <laughs> I peed myself. Common. I'm just like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I gotta go get a rag. <laughs> Men have like a valve that we're able to control. Like women don't have the valve. No, know? I, I, uh, <laughs> no, last time I got like, um, I busted like blood vessels in my eyelid at one point. Yeah. That was I, a good set. That was a good set, man. I looked in the mirror the next day. I was like, the fuck is that? But I would say I got more <laughs> girls doing that than guys. Like I mean, guys take a lot up. of coaching of like, 
Haley, that wasn't very hard for them to like realize. Or you know what I do? I've said this before on the podcast. You know what I do? I'll send like I have a bodybuilder that hires me and he'll send me a set. And if the effort's not there, I'll send like one of my bikini girls <laughs> doing the movement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing the leg press. And like she's like dead. Yeah. She's like like having an Red exorcism on the light. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, her soul like went to the heavens on the last set. Yeah. Um, and like that kind of gets the point across. Is there any literature that talks about that, that, that shows that like, I figured it was just a biological thing because like, like women give birth, right? Yeah. You know, that's probably more painful than anything that a guy can really experience within reason. Kidney stones after a certain diameter actually is more painful for men because your urethra is longer. So our organ stretches, that's what it's designed for. I believe the reason, my theory, is because we have such a rush of oxytocin that men could never fathom, and it's the love and connection hormone. It's the, almost the best you could feel. While we're giving birth, that's like, we forget how much it hurts. Like, I'll do this again. It's more like a drug. My opinion, um, I think, again, pain tolerance is dependent on the person, I think, regardless of um, biology. Mm -hmm. I, My opinion, at least because in my head, the reason I feel like I have to push harder than some guys in the gym, it's an ego thing, too. I yeah. like to know I could lift hard. Like, I walk into a commercial hey, gym a and I'm like, <laughs> I'm stronger than you. <laughs> girls, girls do that. My yeah. girls do that. My guys don't think that way. Yeah. Um, got, girls see the big dudes at the gym, Thomas and I get this at Lyft. Yeah. Like, girls will come tell us at Lyft. Yeah. Like, I push harder when you guys are here. 100%. So girls, like, look, they they use that as motivation. Man, to be 100, I've, like, never seen a woman training, like, even no matter how hard she was training, even when Ashley Jones was training with me every day, there was never a set that she did that's like, all right, like, I need to – like, like that's the one that's going to drive me to this next level of training. Like, yeah, that's actually um, a masculine communication style because I did minor in communication. Yeah. So there's like a feminine communication ways of thinking and there's okay. masculine and feminine is more like community, whereas masculine is like that healthy competition. That's like, yeah, oh, I hated 215 for this. I got to do 215 for one more at least. Yeah. So you Thomas know? and I have that. Yeah. I, I've never had that with a woman. Like, I, I think it's an ego thing. I, I hate men. That's on my own drama. <laughs> Like if you're one of my, if you're a guy and I don't actually despise you, like you're all guilty until proven innocent in my book. I'm down. You know That's what I cool. mean? So <laughs> I, I walk. My, I've been here two years. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. <laughs> you know, I've just, I've lived too much life where men try to make you feel weak and small. I'm sure there's no healthy, there's no healthy female bodybuilder that doesn't feel this in some way. Yeah. Call me out or not. Yeah. Where a man has made you feel so small and weak that like you, you have to be strong. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. have to be strong. Yeah, yeah. So I see, like, not necessarily like it might be a little unhealthy, but I just like to walk in and know, like, I'm stronger than that guy. Yeah, you know. So, but I also have to know, like, I don't have natural testosterone. Yeah, I don't have the luxury of like even guys who aren't on anything and like just working out to work out. Like in a few years, he's gonna be way stronger than me, and we yeah. started in the same place. So I know when I'm pushing, even in gyms like a bodybuilding gym, I have to push way harder to grow. Mm -hmm. If I really want to grow. I can't, I can't like do a half asset. There's no way. I'm That's a, a really good point. I got the, I got young dudes who hire me. I hate when young dudes hire me. <laughs> I, I really do. So I've much. got a young dude named Zeki right now. Yeah. I talked about it. This is the second time he's been talking about it. I love that guy. Mm -hmm. He started with me real small and pathetic. And like now <laughs> he's doing good. Yeah. Like he's making progress. 
I've had some other dudes hire me that were just young and they come in like they think they know something and they think they look good and like, you know, they they yeah. they don't. They I'm don't. Humble. And no, dude, you know what? That's what about the national we're, stage. We're going on prep right now. <laughs> go like, go through nationals. Yeah, yeah, so now you can know exactly how much you suck. Last call outs. Yeah. <laughs> last place, dude. Last place. Like, last place, dude. <laughs> yeah. So Young dudes, they'll come in and like they'll hire me, and they like got this ego, and they like think they have things figured out, and Those they the think guys they I know a little bit. And that's they'll be sending me training footage, and I'm like, dude, that that girl behind you yacked is definitely lifting more than you on this leg press, like that. Come on, yeah, dude. Like there, but but the biggest item here is like you're a young guy, you're a 20 year old dude, 21, 22, man, like natty. Like you you're you're not on anything. You should still send me progress every seven days because one, your body is hyper responsive. You're in the testosterone peak of your life at twenty. E e and even if you don't have this insanely high testosterone, your androgen receptors are so sensitive at that age that whatever testosterone you have is being utilized yeah. very well by these androgen receptors. You're not sending me progress every seven days. You're telling me you hit the protocol. Mm -hmm. No, <laughs> no there's no did way. it. It's a positive <laughs> feedback loop. Your testosterone is uh, still a positive feedback hey, you know with, without anything involved. You know what I do? I got this from Morgan Rice. And I love Morgan. I love the way he operates. All right. You know, like you, you hit everything this week. Cool. I'm going to raise up your protein. So let's say we have five or six meals on the day, and I'm going to raise each of those meals by 30 grams of 30 weighted grams of protein. All right, cool. Got it, coach. You didn't even look at it. I just added 180 weighted grams of protein to your day. Next week, if they the next check, check in. in has no constipation, he's lying. <laughs> the next time they check in, all good. Digestion good. Great. <laughs> Up again. Another 180 Gs of protein, weighted grams of protein. That's In two weeks, we added 360 weighted grams of protein. Nothing happened. There's no negative feedback. Oh, yeah, you're slamming 270 grams of 93.7 ground beef in three meals a day, what? and you're not complaining about it. You're lying. No. So now I know. I went through hell when, you, oh my God, you made me question everything when you gave me that much food. Yep. You yep. gave me 220 protein the first time That's and we were my health, my health phase. Yeah. So I was pushing 170. Yeah. That was the biggest I had been ever. Yeah. And like, but I was eating like a bird before, yeah. you know, yeah. you ruined, were. I've ruined yeah. my metabolism. I'm doing way too much carbs. Shit, not anymore. Normal. You're good now. Not <laughs> no, I'm handling like 220 like a champ. I love telling guys how much yeah. I eat. I'm at like 300 yeah. carbs, 220 yeah. protein. They're like, Crushing. I don't need that much. And I'm just like, he's probably going to give me more. I lost weight yep. again. Probably get more. <laughs> I'm like, I gained 0.2 a pound last yep. week. So we might yep. get more. But no, at first I was, and the two gallons of water on top, I think it was the worst. I literally, I was on the couch one night. This made me start getting up early because I needed to eat earlier, yep. I realized. Yep. I literally was on the couch so full yep. that I moved and I puked. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, I got to eat again. Yep. <laughs> yep. Like, so so now actually what I'm everything. doing, when people's food gets real high, I'm kind of pulling water down. Yeah. Like, hey, you know what? If we're getting pumps in the gym, like if we're maintaining pumps in the gym, we're hydrated enough. Like yeah. your sodium's high. Like your potassium's good. We can probably pull water down a little bit. I'll do like five liters of water a day or something in like off season phase. I'll Honestly, I'll do four liters of water in off-season daily because it's stomach volume. Like yeah. that, that that stomach volume, the water takes up a lot. It's heavy. 
Sitting two gallons there. is 16 pounds it's of water a day you're drinking. Yeah. yeah, that's a ton, huh? That's a it's a ton. Pounds. You're like, I'm I'm peeing all day, and I'm like, dude, good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How's your pumps in the gym? Yeah. Well, my skin <laughs> feels like it's going to split. <laughs> yeah. So, like, the mission's being accomplished. But uh, so, so that's one of the foolproof things. And I recently did that with somebody, with this young guy who hired yeah. me. I just, I pushed his protein up, and I pushed it up, and I pushed it up. All good, you know, all good. Well, you're not making any progress. Yeah. So I don't actually think think things are all good. And then I had a conversation and then he quit last week. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Of course he did. But it, you know, anytime you could, oh, Hey, what's, what's the neuro behind that sky? What's the neuro behind all these quitters, dude? Every time you start challenging these people, holy crap, people, there's some people that love being coached. Yeah. There's some people that hate actually being coached. And I just, I just got dropped three weeks out of, uh, of, uh, North Americans of a prep. Because I told someone they're not a slam dunk pro card. I just got dropped two days really? ago for that. Yeah. Because they didn't want to hear it. They, is, I told you, honestly, like, hey, we're first call out. Like, we're, you know, we're good. We're going to be in the mix. It, it's it's got to be a combination of ego and trust and, like, not taking accountability. Because I yeah. feel like, I don't know you, if you were like, hey, I know you're lying, we can either, you can either admit it and move on. I had to do that with the client. This is why I don't yeah. coach. I do not yeah. coach anymore. Yeah. I had people photoshopping their check-in pictures. I've had it. And I was I've like. I've had it. Yeah. I'm like, listen, one of this can go one of two ways. You can admit it, mm -hmm. I'm not stupid. Mm -hmm. And we can move forward. Yeah. I'm like, or you're fired and you're not getting a refund. Yeah. And they yeah. choose the fired. Yeah. Because they don't they're embarrassed. Yeah. They're embarrassed. Yeah. You know, so I feel like it's a combination of ego, not taking accountability, and a lack of trust. Yeah. You know, like I still feel like I felt like I trusted you a lot because like I said, I heavily, heavily stalked yeah. your team, your clients, <laughs> your coaches, DMing people left and right. What did he have you? What did he do? Yep. What? How did you feel? Well, how was he like at your shows? How yep. was he around peak week listening to the Grow or Die podcast? So I had already built that trust with you. I was like, yep. whatever he tells me to do, I'm going to do it. Yeah. You know, if he tells me I'm not ready for a show, which we did, you yep. did. Yeah. You're like... <laughs> show yeah. you're like we got a lot to do <laughs> that's a joke i'll tell you i'll tell you when to look for a show yeah, um, yeah. But a lot of people don't want to hear i you hear all the time people dropping their coaches they're like listen you're not i've seen your physique better why would you go on stage when you've yeah. looked better before it makes yeah. no sense it makes no sense at all to me even like you said if you don't have enough muscle like you've if you've done a few shows you've been at it for a few years yeah. you're competing again you got to be in it to win I, I i agree like you're embarrassing yourself i i understand people getting their feet wet Mm -hmm. Um, I understand you, you know, you want to try it out. Like you're okay if you get second or third place, something and like, dude, I respect that. Yeah. Like I really, I mean, my first show, I got last place, I, like last call out on the outside, my first show in 2015, mm -hmm. like, so, Hey, you get second or third in your first show. I'm like, fuck, you're starting yeah. way ahead of where I was. Right. I'm cool with that. After we understand like what competition being on stage posing show day consists of you've been through peak weeks when i hey, like dude it's like go time yeah. like now we like start okay so like now you're competitor cool now we need to like get into that overall winning region of next time you're on stage we need to be competitive for that that title yeah and then after that, you know, the next time you're on stage, like, hey, we need to like be competitive for somewhere around the middle of on the national stage in the first call out, like somewhere in maybe the three, four, two, one realm. Like yeah. this, is, it's just steps. You just work up these steps. You you stop ex you stop accepting lower placements. You do. Like I've done that. But you have to stop accepting 
those standards of operation oh, yeah. too. And I think that's the issue that I have with these people is, hey, like, congratulations. What you did last year was last year, though. Like, that has no bearing on this year. When you go to a national show or even before that, you go and you win your class at a regional. Okay. That standard got you a regional class win, but you didn't win the overall. Mm-hmm. You you have to not be okay with the work that was put in. Yeah. There. That second place hurt. Yeah. Hurt, right? <laughs> that hurt. And next time out, you don't want that. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to put time and work and effort in to make sure that doesn't happen next time. Let's win an overall. Okay, Sky, we win an overall. Where do we go from here? Maybe we'll be ready for a national level. Maybe we're not, and we're going to have the communication, and we're going to 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 move forward, you know, with whatever that communication says. Yeah. People don't want that, though. People don't no. want to truly well, be coached. Bodybuilding so mainstream now. It is. There's so yeah. many coaches who are just willing to put you on a stage yeah. however many times a year you want. <laughs> Why are you competing six times a year? Why? You're going to tell me you improve. Like, if you, you didn't even get, maybe if you're like second, always second. Like, yeah. It's hard to say no. Yeah. But if you're like second call outs at, at a regional show yeah. and you're getting fourth or worse, why do you keep doing it? Why do you keep doing it? I understand as a pro, um, I mean, there was just a dude that won. Um, uh, he won in Tampa. Yeah, he won the Tampa Classic Physique. Matt Grego, I think is his name. Um, he looks, dude, his conditioning's nuts. Yeah, um, I saw him. But let's see. I think he did his pro debut earlier this year. Are you familiar? He did his pro debut earlier this year. Um, he didn't do great. I think North, yeah, New York Pro, second call outs. And then, I mean, that was May. That was the second week of May. Was New York he pro. has muscle. He has the muscle he needs. And now today, or last week, he won in Tampa. Yeah. Well, actually, at New York, I thought he was, uh, he was a little skinny in New York. And then he really? just kept coming back and improving. Dude, the best time to grow is when you're peeled. Oh, yeah. Like, people that like, you can't grow in prep, like, dude, I got 52-year-old Brad Helm up 10 pounds and leaner in three weeks from the last show he won. Yeah. Like, as a pro. As a 52 years old, yeah, you, yes, yeah, yeah. you can grow in prep. Absolutely. Uh-huh. The dude looks nuts. This Matt Grego guy, I, I hope I'm saying his name right. Uh, I, these podcasts always get sent to the people who get mentioned. You know, <laughs> if I'm not saying your name right, I apologize, but I'm really impressed by your physique. He shows up to Tampa and he wins. And he beat someone who won the Atlanta Pro, who I'm pretty sure Matt Grego did the Atlanta Pro, and he beat Matt at Atlanta. And then Matt turns out and beats him in Tampa. Dude, that's sick. That's bodybuilding. That's how you. But your body's so responsive at the pro level if you're doing it right that I feel like you can really change like fullness, dryness, conditioning. These are the things like you're you're a pro. You're fine tuning. You You are. You're not. You're not really. You're if you're a seasoned pro. Yeah. You don't have twenty pounds of muscle to put on. Yeah. You know. I think this guy's. He looks like, not in a disrespectful way, he looks like he's under the weight cap mm-hmm. like by a good bit. I think he can improve a that's lot. That's a good place to be, though. It's a great place to be. You yeah. run a pro show with weight to go? Yeah. Like, dude, that's nuts. And not just any. You won Tampa. Like, dude, there was Tampa, tons of call, There was like four or five call-outs in Tampa. It was it. insane. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of side topic off bar, but these people just continually showing up. And um, a- another issue that I think there is right now, and it's the mental approach to bodybuilding, you got this show in mind. Mm-hmm. And there's this one show. And like, you don't think about after the show, you don't think about 
for improving after the show. You just focus on giving this one show every single thing you have, and then it ends. And whatever the outcome is, like maybe you won, maybe you won the whole thing. Maybe it was a, a, a natural showing and you won the entire thing. But it's just falling off a cliff after that. It's just like, oh, I didn't realize I would be here. Like, I didn't realize, like, you need to do X, Y, and Z. And you don't improve in that phase. You get those post-show blues. You just feel just like sad and depressed and like you're not really sure where to go. Man, I think bodybuilding is just like, I, f- I feel like it's it should be more like football. Like, well, you know, one season ends and now it's a chase for the next season. And now it's a chase to like continually improve. Yeah. And that's something I appreciate about you is as an athlete, our communication is really concise. It's really clear. You know what I want. I know what you want. Like we we're very aligned. We want the same thing. Mm-hmm. And that right there is special. Yeah. <laughs> like being aligned with with your coach is like difficult. Um, and if you can't be, I don't think you're going to go very far. I, I I don't think I don't think yeah. you will. If you can't tell your coach that you haven't pooped in four days, <laughs> yeah. get a new coach. Get a new coach. <laughs> but like, uh, um, I I feel like that that true alignment and that true leadership is just like really lacking. But I also feel like part of it is just like people don't want that. I know I talked about that in the Jeff Sue podcast. Leadership is changing. Yeah. It's much more empath- It has to be Body much more empathetic now than like ever before. Um, yeah. I just saw, you know what I just saw? Um, I don't, I don't know how into the NFL you are. Like if you're very well versed in it. Um, only when, well only when the Bucks got Tom Brady. That's yeah. yeah. Now it's not that's worth when it I started anymore. paying attention. Yeah. yeah. I was like, yeah, Tampa. So, um, <laughs> the Kansas city chiefs, obviously they've won a bunch of super bowls. They've done crazy things recently. Their offensive coordinator left to go to Washington Redskins. Washington Redskins, not good. They suck. <laughs> Take your word on it. I saw on ESPN, the headline while I was training today was, is his name's Eric like Bielamy or something like that? Is Eric Bielamy being too hard on Washington Commanders players? This guy just won like three Super Bowls in four or five years or something. They I don't even know if they won three games. Yeah. <laughs> too hard. Like you suck. I don't like, know. Like there's no such no, what's hard is like sucking and like yeah. losing all of the time. Like, yeah, like you said, the leadership, you need empathy, but I also feel like this might might sound fucked up, but if you're in like you're coaching, you're an athlete, you're a bodybuilder. You kind of, do you deserve the empathy though? Yeah. You know what I mean? Do you work yeah. hard enough? Do I know that yeah. you're pushing yourself to your limits where like you're having an off day? It's like, you deserve to be soft. Yeah. If you're losing consecutively, you don't need, oh, we'll do better next yeah. time. You need yeah. to fucking suck. Yeah. Like, <laughs> dude, I, I, I agree that. Have, that's a great point, actually. I've not thought about that. Have you earned empathy? Like, have yeah. you like ever taken a set to a challenging place and like sent it to your coach and be like, Wow, that was like really impressive. I, I I had a client. You know how I am with voice memos. Yeah, like don't send me something over thirty seconds. Like <laughs> type it out. Like yeah. don't do that. Well, I had a client yesterday. Sent me like a fifty-seven second one, and she's like, "I'm sorry about like the duration of this." We, you know, every check-in, she's every seven days for a long period of time, she just improves. She yeah. says, "So you know what? Fifty-seven seconds. All right." I'll deal with it. I'll listen to 57 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> that, yeah. I told her that too. I was like, hey, when you when all you do is send me progress, you yeah. can send a 57 second voice memo. Like, that's okay with me. <laughs> it happens. Yeah, I got It'd a six like minute that. one that definitely never got opened. Oh, <laughs> six minutes. I'm not even listening to it on two times speed. Six minutes. I'm like, dude, that's a podcast. <laughs> we could have literally made a podcast out of this. Yeah. Uh, we got a little bit off topic. I knew that we would. The last thing, the, the, the last thing yeah. I wanted to chat about super fast. Um, did you, the Phantom Lemon Motor cord, uh, Cortex. Did you see that bulletin point that I want that, yeah, that I threw I in did. there? Um, how our brain adapts to a loss. The, the Phantom Limb Pain. What can that teach us about our brain's ability to rewire itself? 
I think it should just be used. Well, first of all, like even we don't really know what yeah. causes it completely. There are a few theories, and I have my favorite theory that, of course, goes along with neuroplasticity because yeah. to me, it's like it's inspiring. Yeah. Like you should believe in yourself. You're human. Yeah. We're the top of the food chain. Why? Because mm -hmm. we can kill animals with our bare hands? Mm -hmm. No, because we live in every environment mm -hmm. almost. We can live in any environment. We adapt. Mm -hmm. We learn fast. Um, so for me, um, so what happens, a little background, in my opinion, the theory that makes the most sense is um, it's a somatosensory rearrangement, which means you have like the motor strip here, right? Um, and um, I don't know if you've ever seen a homunc homunculus diagram, but it's basically uh -huh. like we have more concentrated nerve endings in like our tongue, our face, our lips for communication, facial expression, our hands and our mm -hmm. feet. So there's a lot less in our legs. So basically like there's a lot larger of a strip in our brain for like here for like more laterally for like your face and you know whatnot. And then here would be like your, for your hands. So say you get amputated from like the elbow down. We lost those neurons. We lost like the peripheral nerves. We lost like the, um, what is it? Um, you know, sensing, but we didn't lose that in the brain. The, the where it's supposed to go, where that information is still supposed to travel, is still there. So, it's to, that part of your brain's not necessarily being used. Mm -hmm. What happens to things that aren't used? They atrophy. Mm -hmm. But your brain doesn't want to atrophy. So, what happens in the theory of the somatosensory rearrangement is that the neurons like start to encroach closer and like fill the gap, basically. Mm -hmm. Like if you get a tooth pulled the teeth go closer together. Mm -hmm. um, so the phantom limb essentially is like, well, now I might have like pain in my eye, um, but I feel like my arm hurts. That's not there anymore. So for me, it's like, if your brain can do some crazy shit That's like that, that is, that is so intense. Yeah. I feel like, why can't you overcome your depression? Yeah. It is a chemical yeah, yeah, imbalance. Yeah, 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 you're right. You're right. Yeah. You, need, you need extra help. You know, yeah. it's not fair. Yeah. But if your brain can make you feel something that's not there yeah. because it's trying to optimize its neuronal connection. Why mm -hmm. can't you get over your pain? Why can't you get over your trauma, your anxiety, your depression? You can do anything. This is a theory that sparked something I said to athletes for quite some time. And actually earlier today when I was sending you these bullet points, it's like 440 in the morning. I'm not sure if you saw it. <laughs> that's how I roll. Um, I, I, was, I was like, wow, I haven't said that to somebody in a while. When you lose a limb, like it gets amputated or like whatever happens, mm. you lose a limb, your body does try to regrow it. It's not capable of it, but like yeah. it's trying to regrow it. You think like you think you're training hard? Like you think you're training hard? Your body can lose a limb. You're worried about recovery from training to failure. Your body can lose a limb. Yeah. And it tries regrowing the whole thing. You're worried about recovering. Yeah. From like well, we have the a training to. session. Yeah. Like it's absolutely unbelievable what this thing tries to do. Like you're just tearing a little bit of muscles and like you're just causing some inflammation, localized inflammation at like whatever body part you trained. Homie, this thing's trying to grow an arm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like these are not the same. Yeah. And, because, you know, for a long time, that was the argument to not training to failure that a bunch of small people were talking about. They were yeah. like, how are you going to recover? Like, dude, I don't, I don't know. Like I'll figure it out later. How to recover. Like, <laughs> sleep a lot. I don't know. Yeah. Sleep. Eat, um, eat, hot bath, like, like Nordic know. sauna plunges, whatever. Figure yeah, it out. Dude, I don't know. Take some steroids. <laughs> <laughs> that, I don't know. that can help. <laughs> yeah, if you're that worried about it. I've heard. <laughs> I've heard. Yeah. Grapevine. <laughs> it's all on a podcast. <laughs> like I, like, 
what the body's capable of doing, specifically the brain, is so unbelievable that I think people, we undershoot ourselves as humans. Although, like you said, hey, we were all in the same playing field, like you know, thousands and thousands of years ago. Mm-hmm. Like us and a saber-toothed tiger were battling for the same things. And now we're not. Yeah. One of us made it and one of us didn't make it. Not it, from the claws, it, even though you can't get that. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't know. But <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> She's actually descended of the saber tooth tiger. <laughs> no, like it's, it's 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 unbelievable how people can undersell themselves or undershoot themselves just simply based off of self limiting beliefs. Mm-hmm. And this goes back to a podcast I did with uh, uh, Casey Orvitas, which was absolutely phenomenal, talking about growth mindset and things like that. She's going to be back on the podcast here really soon, but. I love when podcasts tie together mm-hmm. like that. Like this is more the like um, form and function of the brain and things that we discussed today. And that's more of like, how do we calibrate and how do we yeah. recalibrate? I'd, I'd love that. Um, but it's, it's, it's fascinating to chat with someone who's become so well-versed in this um, just about filling in gaps of, you know, my knowledge. And I know that the, the, podcast listeners as well it's difficult to find people who can come on and accurately discuss like brain form and function medicine form and function but discuss it in a manner that like they're not talking over someone's head mm-hmm. it's like that's why i was like really excited for this i know I, I studied in the car to make sure i wouldn't say something did i not like <laughs> i'm like we have two and a half hours to austin i cannot be saying some dumb shit yeah. <laughs> It has to be accurate. I'm going to take my masters yeah. away. <laughs> yeah. People people come at your throat. But usually they, usually they just come at me. Holy crap. Oh, I, could, I was like, I was like intrusive thoughts like this dumb blonde bimbo. I'm like, <laughs> that's, that's why I have the scholarly articles. Like, Here, Justin, if you want to add to the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> and then, in case I'm Bro, the fact, there. Yeah. Here, no, Here's but, a peer-reviewed journal. Seriously, <laughs> I, I appreciate you coming on. Oh, You're cool. currently moving from Florida all the way across the country. And she yeah. made a pit stop for the Grower Die podcast. 20 hours in a car. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, fun time. How, how much time you got left? Um, we're stopping at Fort Stockton, wherever the hell yeah. that is, as an Airbnb going through. It's a 36-hour drive so far. I think if when we get to... I don't even know. He's the one driving. I'm passenger yeah. princess. You're right passenger <laughs> princess? You're just studying for the Grown Eye podcast. I'm growing, singing in the car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Controlling the music. You're DJing. No, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm playing in the car. I, I, love, <laughs> I love it. Hey, I want to feel something. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that song was on. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, but um, a long way to go. A long yeah. way. It's a 36-hour drive. I think we did like 16 maybe so yeah. far. So like 20, 20 left. All right. I mean, you're almost halfway. Like, yeah. You're almost to the cascade. I'm chill. I offered. We're gonna go to factory after yep, this. Yep, yep. And I'm that's like, you want me to drive after factory? Yeah. It's like, we'll see. Maybe. <laughs> I, I've got like nine car accidents, so he's big chilling. Oh my God, you're that bad of a driver. You know, Other, no, can... I just don't. He won't hit you if you don't stop in front of me. That's always what I say. I'm not a bad driver. You just shouldn't stop. You know, based off of our neuroplasticity abilities, you can't teach yourself how to be a good driver. Um, three driving classes. Three driving classes in. Maybe you just should have tried. Maybe. I'm just, my goal is to get to the point where I'm financially free enough to hire a driver. To hire a driver because I suck at this shit. So yeah, and it's just not getting better. It's not. There's no growth, no room for improvement. No, actually, the cars that stop for you have been helping me so far. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So have you seen, um, I'm not sure if they have them where you are. Uh, In Austin, we have these Google cars that are self-driving. No. You've never seen those? Have you seen them? They're literally going around the city. There's cameras and sensors everywhere. And I, it's actually really funny when they fuck up. They do fuck up sometimes. <laughs> it's hilarious when they do. Like, it'll start turning like a left and someone will like 
inadvertently run across the thing and it like sense them and they're like slam the brakes and <laughs> this car coming it's now in its way and this car coming is like hawking no one's in the car it's just, it was just sensors AI it's really been hilarious over to watch but like, you can cop a ride in them and it's like pretty cheap um like i i'm not doing it i'm no. not getting a self-driving vehicle no way like or if i am there it just needs to be a driver <laughs> like, yeah. maybe i can drive it like um up. but hey they're funny yeah they're really Really funny. They look goofy, but yeah, people are always in them. It's always the same looking white man that's in that car. It's always the same. Like it's funny because again, there's no one in the driver's seat, and there's just like this white man in like a casual business attire sitting in the passenger seat, just like on his route like, on the destination to the convention center. No I, I'm never too busy to, uh, even though with my driving history, to drive myself <laughs> if given the option of a robot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. Hey man, with the advances to AI, our normal cars might be driving themselves soon so i guess oh, we'll man. see have you have you gone down that rabbit hole yet have no you done anything no with i told you if it stresses me out i yeah. don't go on social yeah. media yeah. I really don't. that's I don't. probably a good thing I, I i don't like the decision fatigue i don't like i already get stressed <laughs> yeah. out enough so i'm just like i don't know called ignorance is bliss i don't yeah. want to know what's going on in the world unless there's something i'm actively going to do about it i'm yeah. not going to pay attention i love that yeah i love that ignorance <laughs> truly is bliss yeah. not being involved not becoming an activist i don't, on I don't have time yeah. <laughs> sorry well sky thank you so much for coming on the podcast it's absolutely awesome chatting with you tell the people where they can find you on instagram um at sky underscore clements yeah <laughs> easy and straightforward enough there you go all right this will drop uh very soon and i think people are really going to love it and appreciate it so. i hope so yeah so thank you so much and you guys as always make sure to share us leave us a five-star review or a thumbs up if you're on youtube hit the subscribe button and we will see you next time peace